The Pac-12 conference is on the clock. What are the factors that go into survival? Welcome to a new episode of Kanzano and Wilner, the podcast. What's better than one, John? Here's Johnny. Hmm, nobody really knows. That's why we put two of them together. This is Kanzano and Wilner, a.k.a. John and John. I'm John Canzano. Welcome to another episode of Canzano and Wilner, the podcast. You can read me at johnconzano.com. John Wilner's here, Bay Area News Group superstar. You can get him at pac12hotline.com. John Wilner, the fate of the Pac-12 conference hanging in the balance. Is it a, in your mind, is it a 24-hour scenario, six-hour scenario? Feels like we're kind of coming to a head here. I think we are. I think either it's going to all dissolve you know, we're recording here on, what is this, Thursday around lunchtime. And uh, I I could see by the end of uh, end of day Friday, this being resolved one way or the other. Maybe it seeps into the weekend. Uh, but, you know, 13 months of waiting around and now it's all happening in rapid fire order. It, you know, there have been some reports out there that a- Apple's offer with the Pac-12 expires at the end of the week which means that, you know, the Pac-12 really doesn't have much wiggle room. Also, you've got the Big Ten Conference out there saying that they're meeting, talking about potential expansion. You have Washington with a trustees meeting scheduled in the evening, this on this Thursday here. And you've got Arizona and Arizona State, the Board of Regents there in Arizona with a 6 p.m. meeting. It just kind of feels like they're there. What are the factors in your mind? Who's, who's the glue of this? The dominoes you expect to fall. What are the factors you're paying attention to? Uh, yeah, what we're everything we're talking about could be moot, you know, very quickly. That's the issue with realignment. It, when it happens, it happens quick. Uh, you know, here's what I would say: is it's hard to know because you don't know who's telling the truth. You don't know if there are actual offers or you know, unofficial offers, informal offers. You just don't know, right? I mean, it looks like. You could easily make the case right now that Oregon and Washington hold the cards, especially Oregon. And if they stay, everything will remain intact. But you don't know. What are the mountain schools uh, or the four corner schools going to do, right? You don't know. And that's the thing with realignment, and which you know uh, has been the case all along. And I'm not sure some folks totally got it, but uh, you know, it, some folks at the Pac-12 office got it. But people lie. Right. I, I think one one issue is I think there's some you can make a good case that the commissioner uh, has, you know, been a little too trusting of some schools and some presidents throughout this whole process. Uh, we'll see how it ends. What What do you think? What Where do you think the tipping point is here? Well, I've, I've heard from multiple areas of the conference, from different viewpoints, you know, the the border schools, the northwest schools. Um, I've heard from uh, different viewpoints that the the prevailing sentiment is, um, you know, if they all stay together, they're obviously together. But what can't happen here is they can't lose the Arizona schools to the Big 12 and expect to stay together. They can't lose Oregon and Washington to the Big 10 and expect to stay together. Can't lose, you know, so if any of those dominoes fall, then it all sort of crashes like a house of cards. But you know, I was told this morning, early this morning, that that Oregon was the glue. 
that they expected there would be some offer, some kind of a minimal distribution to Oregon from the Big Ten Conference, not a minimal distribution, but a reduced distribution in the media rights world, um, a partial distribution to, to Oregon, and that that Oregon held the keys to this thing. Um, you know, the quote that I got was that Washington is not going to jump if Oregon doesn't jump. Washington wouldn't go on their, their own. And that the Arizona schools, which I thought Wilner were gone about, you know, Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday evening, I was pretty sure Arizona, Arizona State were gone just based upon the tea leaves and reading it. But I'm now wondering if the Arizona, Arizona State uh, decision is also tied to Oregon. Um, I had one highly involved person tell me that the sentiment from Oregon was to stay together and stay in the Pac-12 conference. This is coming from a source at the University of Oregon. But the person said, you can't stay together if we're not all together. So if that thing happens, if they're certain, if they can trust Robert Robbins and Michael Crow at Arizona and Arizona State, I think Oregon and Washington stick around. But if those, if those Arizona schools cannot be trusted or maybe are leaving anyway, I do think Oregon and Washington probably look at the Big Ten offer very seriously. Yeah, I mean, that's a big thing is trust. Uh, that's that's realignment destroy, can destroy your your trust in, in the boardroom uh, between presidents. There's no doubt about it. It's kind of like a little bit of a standoff at the OK Corral in some ways, right? The three remaining corner schools and the two Pacific Northwest powers and which one – who is going to pull the plug on a 100 and – Eight, what is it, 108 or 10-year-old conference? That's what it's down to. And I don't really think any of the presidents or the athletic directors want to be the ones responsible for the destruction of this conference and also what it would mean for the schools that don't make it into the Big 12 uh, or the Big 10. And you never underestimate or never overestimate, I should say, the opportunity for university presidents to do nothing, right? Yeah. They're very conservative by nature, and you know they could end up doing nothing, and everybody could end up staying. Uh, we'll see, but it is—it's a fascinating dynamic, especially with the Big Ten kind of returning to the fray, so to speak, with these, re, you know, reduced offers, and that'll be an interesting piece too, right? Yeah. How by the reduced, way, do you right? find do you find the Big Ten coming out of left field, basically? We don't want to be the one that breaks up the conference. But we're going to bring the knives and the guns to the fight. Like, you know, hey, we're we're still exploring uh, Oregon and Washington. Like, like they threw a dose of uncertainty back into the equation by doing that uh, yesterday. And so they did. Yeah. Let me let's do this. Let's go school by school. Does it make sense for Oregon to stay in the Pac-12 conference or leave the Pac-12 conference, in your opinion? Just make a case for Oregon. Well, I think if if you're talking about. The nine schools sticking together and you're adding San Diego State, uh, no, I think a better case can be made for Oregon uh, given what this Oregon wants, which is to make the playoff and compete for a national championship. I think Oregon's better off in a stable Pac-12. There's no doubt about that in my mind. But again, it's a trust issue with the other schools and and also uh, you know, with, with the Huskies, right? I, I wonder how often – this week, 
the two presidents of those universities have spoken. Uh, I've got to imagine, or they have an intermediary who's helping it, but I've got to imagine there's been a lot of communication. Maybe the ADs, Jen Cohen and Rob Mullins. I don't know. But but to me that they're basically you treat them as one because they have the same goals. Washington yeah. also wants to make the playoff. Yeah, I, I reached out to Phil Knight to to get a comment and take the temperature because I think his vote's going to count in this thing. Uh, asking basically what does he out in the intermediary that I reached out to came back and said, Phil um, doesn't want to talk uh, because he's afraid he would uh, say something he would regret, which I found interesting. <laughs> I found that very interesting. Uh, don't we all live in that space? He's just smart Bill enough. Bill Knight, to, more honest yeah. than any university president. <laughs> yep. So here's here's how I see Oregon. They've all along told me on and off the record, background, you know, on the Rob Mullins, the AD, just a week ago said to me that, you know, the access to the playoff is the most important thing for Oregon. Yes, they value exposure. Yes, there's some concerns with the Apple deal not having a strong linear component. There may be uh, there may be a linear element to it ultimately, but, you know, there, there's some concerns there. But the access to the playoff matters to them more than the revenue. It just does because they're trying to get to the playoff and Phil Knight's the great equalizer. He can write a check. They can dominate. They could be Gonzaga of college football by dominating the Pac-12, getting to the playoff you know, 75% of the seasons that they play in in the next five years. So I think there's a really interesting component for Oregon that's different than others. I don't think Washington wants to go on their own, so I think you and I are in agreement that they move together or they don't move. Um, let's pivot to the Arizona schools. Stay or go. Wilner, why are they holding a meeting and, and so knee-deep with the Big 12 Conference? Is it a contingency plan, or are they really serious about proactively leaving? Well, I think they're. I think it's kind of both, right? I mean, they they want an out. Uh, if Oregon and Washington leave, uh, and certainly I, I don't know exactly how how the media proposal was received by the the two presidents and and also by Utah's president, but you know, I, I thought all along those schools would prefer to stay uh, if they have a reasonable media deal in front of them. Uh, they don't want to go. And certainly I think that, uh, you know, Arizona State and Utah are even more committed to the extent that you can be committed. I think ASU and Utah are more committed to staying uh, for various reasons than Arizona. But I also think none of them want to be the one that that kind of pulls the plug that destroys the conference. Nobody wants to make that first move. It's, it's a standoff. It's a bunch of poker players sitting around a table with a gun pointed underneath it at each other like it's this is a western right here and arizona and arizona state i think you know we i think we know that the the regents there would prefer them to move in lockstep as well they don't want to hate them so it comes down to michael crow who is a president at asu who will always do what's best for michael crow and asu and robert robbins at arizona who i think is a smart guy i think they're very much looking at the big 12 conference as a viable option as it as a path forward for them but i also think that there's probably what to your point about wanting you know the the fear or the reluctance to break up more than 100 years of history there's probably reluctance there especially for crow who uh, i think has waffled a little bit back and forth at times in the last couple of few days um if if you read every if you believe everything you read but i think there's a reluctance there for them to like put the nail in the coffin for the pac-12 so i think part of the meetings that Arizona has had is, yes, they're carving a path forward, but I also think 
they're going, hey, if this thing does hold together and we are the missing pieces, you know, maybe maybe they do stick it out. I am told that years one and two of the Apple deal come in under market value with some risk. It's subscription-based. There's some risk there that, you know, if Cal and Stanford and Washington State and Oregon State fan bases don't buy a drove of subscriptions, it's possible that the Pac-12 could be a little underfunded for two more years. But years three and four of the deal do include some guarantees, and I'm told that Apple's projections put told the Pac-12 conference that they would be above the ACC and above the Big 12 in year three and in year four. Now, it doesn't get them to SEC money, doesn't get them to Big Ten money, but it's it may be enough because I guess the pitch that George Klyovkov made is that he is presidents that, look, you can settle for mediocrity and, you know, but this is a real opportunity. It's a puncher's chance for the conference to do something different and to have breakout revenue if all goes well. And, you know, you might get a guy like Michael Crow, who is a little bit of a cowboy in that sense, on board with it. You might, but there's also some long memories. And and th- th- this conference took a chance on uh, another media proposal, you know, what, 12 years ago from Larry Scott that had a lot of proje- was projection based with the Pac-12 networks. Now, you know, uh, that was uh, this time, you know, uh, back then it was all internal, right? They, they owned it. This time they're kind of hitching their saddle to Apple and that's a much different deal. But you do wonder if some of the folks are a little worried about uh, some of the uncertainty given what happened with the Pac-12 networks. I do want I, I have been told that the you know, the rumors about this, the deal, uh, it, it's better than the rumors. I, there is a linear component. I am certain of that. I don't know the extent. And I also believe that it's going to be modeled like the MLS deal with Apple, right? And with MLS, every season ticket account gets a free subscription to Apple TV. And those subscriptions count toward the revenue thresholds that trigger increased payments. So the devil is certainly in the pun intended, uh, is in the detail with, with this deal and with how it's being received in Tucson, Tempe, Salt Lake and elsewhere. I want to talk about Utah for a second because that fan base gets overlooked nationally. I think they get disrespected. I I just think people don't talk about Utah. Maybe they don't know how that football program is. And maybe part of it is that the Big 12 Conference already captures Salt Lake City with BYU as a member. But what happens to Utah? What is Utah rooting for in, in this landscape? I think Utah probably wants to stay, don't you? I think they would. I think... They also probably, if they if it does implode, know that they're not going to get a Big Ten offer, and not going to uh, not going to end up uh, as an attractive Big Twelve member unless Fox comes in and says, "Hey, we love that rivalry BYU and Utah because because of the market." So, I have to think Utah has as much at stake as anybody in this whole in this whole next twenty four hours. Like they are similar to Oregon State and Washington State. If I'm Oregon State, Washington State, I'm putting an incredible amount of pressure on Oregon and Washington today going, hey. Yeah, they are. are you I leaving? wanted to ask you about yeah. that too. But, you know, Utah, but they're also like Oregon and Washington because they value at, competitively, they're valuing access to the playoff and they think it's going to be easier staying in the Pac-12 than going into a 16-team Big 12. The interesting thing too is that 
you in many ways Utah is the most Big Ten school in the Pac-12 because city school, big passionate following, good football, good academics. I mean, they're as Big Ten in model as Oregon or Washington for sure, but I just don't think that they're really on the Big Ten radar because, you know, Salt Lake City uh, media market, because they don't have necessarily the tradition, but if you're kind of sketching out who who fits the Big Ten model, Utah for sure does. Yeah, Utah would fit there. I just don't know if the appetite in the in this cycle is for that yeah, kind no, of expansion. Yeah, no, I don't think so. You know, and that and I think that's where they get in trouble. And I think, you know, there was some legislation that was out there last year, just a few months ago. It got it sort of ran out of steam in the state of Washington that that would have married Washington and Washington State together. And the lawmakers ultimately decided they did not want to pit Anna Marie Casse, the the Washington president, against Kurt Schultz the Washington state president with public testimony. They, you know, I was told that it was unnecessary. They felt like the conference was going to be okay, but, um, uh, you know, they were, they were trying to be collaborative with each other, but I do think now maybe people in, in the state of Washington and certainly the state of Oregon, watching those two state schools in the public schools, fend this one out. Um, what do you is, think is going you know, on along route 99 there between Eugene and Corvallis? Well, I think, and then Salem is Salem playing a role in that? It's it's weird because at Oregon, you've got a brand new president, John Carl Schultz, just took over. Like he's been on the job a month. He just took over. He's the third president Oregon has had since this UCLA and USC left. They had two interim presidents who also cycled through. Michael Schill, of course, gone to Northwestern, but Schultz is brand new. You got the 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 whisper of Phil Knight in this whole conversation for Oregon which is more than a whisper. Rob Mullins, the AD at Oregon, is a smart guy, but he's smart enough to know that, you know, Phil Knight's vote counts. You got a football coach in Dan Lanning who you just gave a big extension to. You're committed to Dan Lanning. I think ideally Oregon's short-term motivation in the next five or seven years would be to kind of be Gonzaga of the Pac-12 conference. Like, you know, get to the playoff, dominate in there, and, and, and compete nationally. Oregon State is different. They just... Added to their stadium, they extended Jonathan Smith and all of his coaching staff. They've got tremendous momentum. It would be a massive blow to Oregon State to lose Pac-12 membership, to have it go away. And, you know, and I reached out to one of the presidents in the Mountain West Conference, and I said, hey, what happens if the Pac-12 implodes? Could there be a merger of these two conferences? And the answer I got was, hey, they've got 50, they owe, they owe Comcast $50 million, and they don't have a media rights deal that's signed. And if you lose the wrong properties, Oregon, Washington, Arizona, Arizona State, suddenly you don't have a media rights deal. It becomes a headspace issue. Like, can you know, does the Pac-12 even going to accurately see itself at that point? So I think Oregon State is, um, like Washington State, probably highly, highly engaged today trying to figure out where, what happens. The Arizona schools stay. Can they be trusted does Oregon and Washington stay? Do they rebuff the Big Ten in this cycle and stick it out for four or five more years? If those things happen, I think Oregon State's fine. If they don't, I think Oregon State goes to competing against Boise State, Fresno State, San Diego State in some version of a Pac-12 Mountain West Conference thing. And I think um, the other piece is Stanford and Cal, right? I mean, it tells you Stanford is so 
it has such clout with the, within academic circles that the fact that well, it certainly appears like the Big Ten, if they are going to make an offer, it's just going to be to Oregon and Washington and not to Stanford and Cal, which tells you that it's, you know, there's a real money issue because if the presidents in the Big Ten had had, you know, I'm sure if it were up to them completely based on reputation, they would want the Bay Area schools in the league. But it, there's obviously a big money component to that, right? The Big Ten's partners, Fox, NBC, CBS, they don't have necessarily any extra money that they can spend on these schools. So the Big Ten's got to try to find somebody else to jump in. And whoever that network is, they obviously don't have very much because they're only offering reduced payments to two schools and not to the Bay Area schools. I mean, it would be it just visually think about the Big Ten in L.A., Eugene and Seattle. And then like there's no there's no bay area to it right it's like a hole in the middle of the west coast wing which is is hard for me to wrap my my head around in some regards but it also makes sense because uh, of the financial piece before we end the podcast i want to take a moment to look at the fingerprints of fox on this whole thing you have a network that came in and bought the entire big 10 conference media package just gobbled it all up uh, went into business with the Big 12. And if we're really being honest here, they'd love to have some of the Pac-12 schools in their markets, but they don't want to pay market value for it. They know that if they can uh, cause the implosion of the Pac-12 conference or play a role in it, that they can pick up the scraps later. And that is an unfortunate byproduct of this. I think TV has messed with our college football to the point where I don't like TV. I don't like that they have screwed around with our late kickoffs. I don't like that they are messing around with destabilizing conferences and playing kingmakers. I had somebody today say, you know, the NFC or the NFL's got the NFC and the AFC. College football is pretty soon going to have Fox division and ESPN division, and that's all that there's going to be. I love that Apple's come into the fray, but I just am very disappointed in the role that Fox is playing in particular in, in this entire equation. Well, and that also underscores one of the differences between the Big 12 and the Pac-12, right? We can, there'll be plenty of episodes to get into more about that that dynamic. But uh, for folks who haven't heard some of our previous episodes, right? In the case of the Big 12, Fox lost to the two big schools, Oklahoma and Texas, went to an ESPN property, the SEC. So Fox needed the Big 12 to kind of be anchored in, in Texas, in the case of the Pac-12, Fox gained UCLA and USC by entering in the Big Ten because Fox owns the Big Ten, essentially. Therefore, the rest of the Pac-12 became less important to Fox. The leftover schools in the Big 12 were more important to Fox. The leftover schools in the Pac-12, less important to Fox. And that certainly changed the dynamic of negotiations uh, across the last 13 months. That's one element. I mean, we... At some point here, and we probably, I don't know if we want to wait till the next episode or the one after that, but we we certainly have got to uh, dive into uh, the performance of the commissioner here and all this and and the university presidents. uh, And, you know, however it ends, we got to we got to take a dive into that. Clearly, the mistakes were made. I mean, it was it's going to be a case study for a decade from now. Like mistakes have been made. Clearly. Yes, we need to dive into that. Uh, I also think that. You know, as I look back at 
at uh, the commissioners across Power Five conferences, you know, gone are the Greg Sankeys of the world, the commissioners that have come up on campuses that care about the ecosystem and seem to care about it at least or know it. And instead, we've got, you know, business people and sponsorship backgrounds and media company backgrounds. And I guess none of us should be surprised that television is driving this and that decisions are being made that have uh, uh, higher education and traditions and rivalries uh, not really accounted for. Yep. I mean, realignment is is a knife fight. And the Pac-12 showed up with a teddy bear. Now, how much of that is specifically on the commissioner? <laughs> versus the presidents you know i always you know lean towards the presidents because they're responsible ultimately for who they hire for the uh for the agenda all that kind of thing but clearly the pac-12 and and that's been the case for for years the missed opportunities in the past bad strategy wrong decisions on expansion all those things have led to this uh and we will the the you know However, this thing ends, we are going to have to, we could do a multi-part series on the leadership piece. I'm John Canzano. Read me at johnconzano.com. It's going to be a really busy 24 to 48 hours. I hope to see you there. He's John Wilner, pac12hotline.com. Thanks for listening, everybody.